Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Right Here at Baptist. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. And I'm Amanda Comer. I'm a nurse practitioner and the system director for advanced practice providers. And today we're really excited to have two special guests on to talk about health equity. Uh, we have Dr. Mason and, and Missy Arwood to the program. Um, HF Mason, you probably know from our, our other podcast, uh, I, I record uh, connecting the dots with, with him. But uh, for those that are just right care Baptist fans, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background? Sure. Thank you, Jake. Um, currently, I've, I'm wearing a couple of hats. I am uh, My main job is I'm the chief medical officer at Baptist DeSoto, which is one of our, our larger hospitals in the Memphis uh, metro market. And also I, I serve as the uh, system chief quality officer. I am a, uh, I'm a general surgeon by training, practice at one of our smaller Baptist hospitals about an hour south of here for 22 years, and then moved into uh, full-time, um, full-time administration. And um, Missy, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, thank you, Dr. Jake. Mason. Thank you, Dr. Go Mason, Jake, and Amanda. Um, I, um, I'm Missy Arwood, System Director of Quality and Accreditation, I'm currently living in the Baptist corporate arena. And um, one of the things that uh, I guess I'm proud of is the fact that um, not only did I get my nursing degree as a second career, but also have progressed as an advanced practice nurse and work with Amanda on clinical nurse specialist information, as well as continuing with my doctorate. And uh, my passion is to make sure our patients get the right care, quality, safe, and effective care. Well, thank you both for, for coming on the program. Um, and today we're going to be talking about health equity. So maybe we should just start with some definitions. Uh, Missy, do you tell the audience what we're talking about? Sure. Um, as probably many of you are, are aware, um, health equity has become a front and center topic for not only healthcare but in general um, within our um, our country and our world. And that is in regard to um, what happened during COVID and the realization that um, health equity and being able to get to resources and the needed care that you need um, proved to be difficult, particularly during the COVID process. However, to let you know, health equity has been around a long time. Um, so I think the first thing is to better understand what is health equity, and there are many definitions out there. Um, Joint Commission, CMS, CDC, many organizations have different definitions, but um, I'd like to use the one that I think is um, probably one that will um, echo our mission and values here at Baptist, and it says the attainment of the highest level of health for all people. Achieving health equity requires valuing everyone equally with focused and ongoing societal efforts to address avoidable inequalities, historical and contemporary injustices, and the elimination of health and healthcare disparities. I think the, the next thing to understand is what is a healthcare disparity? Um, many individuals uh, want to mark together that health equity um, is something in regard to being able to be fair, and that is part of that definition. However, uh, the healthcare disparities, um, and probably the best definition would be to provide an example, a healthcare disparity happens when individuals, regardless of race, gender, ethnicity, et cetera, are treated differently um, in regard to the care that they receive, number two, 
There are also um, those individuals that may be um, um, not in the position to be able to get the health care that they need or deserve um, within our areas of service for all of our Baptist hospitals. Um, particularly to give an example is to be able to evaluate um, are the patients who, coming to, who are coming to your hospital getting the care that they need if they can even get to your hospital in the first place. I think that that's a good point. You know, one of the things you said there was, you know, kind of allowing everybody to achieve their highest level of health potential. So removing the barriers that prevent them for for being the health, living the healthiest lives that they can. Is that a good way to look at it? Yeah, you know, I'll chime. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great way. And, you know, I, I love Bissy's definition. Everybody has a, a fair and just opportunity to obtain their their highest level of health. And, you know, I'll preface this by saying almost everything that I've learned about health equity, Missy has has taught me and, and I'm very grateful for that. But, um, you know, there's a difference between equity and equality. And, and, you know, health equality means that we're going to treat everyone equal, but health equity takes it a step further because we may have to, you may have to allocate more resources to a certain patient population based on those disparities that you find. And and one thing that's been a real, real eye opener for me is that, um, you know, Don Burrick from the IHI, he he says that, you know, almost half of the contributors to our um, to uh, the 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 population health is due to social determinants. And, you know, we think of things, you know, Jake and, and, and Amanda when, and, and Missy, when we were, you know, learning how to do history and physicals, you take a sh- social history. Well, those social histories, that's really do you drink and do you smoke? You know, and those those are behaviors that, you know, we think of those behaviors as individual choices. But we we, we stop there and we don't take it further and say, well, what kind of environment are the are these patients living in that you know if you grow up around smokers you're 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 going to be much more likely to smoke if you you know if you grow up poor you're going to have a likely you know a higher chance of being poor so health equity takes it a step further does that make sense oh it does and so can you elaborate on that on what are some other questions that we could ask when we're um, engaging with our patients that will really um, highlight their social determinants? Missy? Yeah, I, I think, excuse me, the social determinants of health, the um, SDOH, you may see the acronym, are those non-medical factors that may influence a health outcome. And I think that's a really, really important definition. Um, And those are those things in which people are either born, grow, work, live, and age, and the wider set of of forces and systems shaping the conditions of daily life. What does that mean? That means um, in regard to your economic status, for example, are you able to travel? Can you get to the the care that you need um, in a timely fashion? Um, Do you have um, food sources? Are you getting um, the food that you need? Or are you in a situation where maybe that's not um, highly available to you? And a good example would be in certain areas of Memphis, for example. There is no grocery store. 
How are those people getting food? And so in addition to that, there's also those individual uh, situations of home security. Do you have a house? Do you have a home? Um, is, is it, what is it involving in regard to um, your personal status? And is that a likelihood of giving us an, independent, an, an, an opinion of how your health may go? So we tend to forget about those social areas around us that surround us every day that may have an impact on how we are taking care of ourselves um, taking care of our family members, and then when we show up at the hospital, being able to have the care that we need. You know, one thing at, that you know has come, you know, it's helped me realize, I guess, when looking into this, is that it really is providing additional source of data about a patient that we wouldn't already have. Um, so, for instance, if I'm treating somebody with hypertension and it's not well controlled, you know, I might think about adding another medication. But if I knew that the reason it wasn't well controlled was they can't afford their medicines or they don't have transportation to get to the pharmacy to get their medicines, et cetera, it might change the way I would adjust their treatment plan. Are those the sorts of things that um, they're looking at with with health equity or, or are there other aspects of it that um, that go into these initiatives? You, you know, I, th- I think it's that and, and it's all of the above. Do you have transportation? Do you have adequate housing? Uh, you know, are you able to do you have insurance? Are you able to afford insurance? You know, do you have access to a, a, a primary care provider in your in your neighborhood? It's it's all of the above. And and, you know. Now, when, when we're thinking about improving the health of our patients, you know, we're starting to collect data and, and, and Missy can, can speak to that, but um, it allows us to collect data and, and determine where the uh, opportunities are so that um, so that we can try to uh, improve their, those patient situations and, and overall affect the, the quality of their of their health. But Missy, why don't you talk to, you know, I, a lot of this has been driven by there are some new Joint Commission recommenda- or mandates. Talk to us a little bit about that. Now, that's not the reason, the only reason why we're doing this. We certainly want to be compliant, but uh, talk to us a little bit about some of the regulatory standards that we're going to be, that we're starting July 1st, we're going to be held accountable for. Sure. Um, as we mentioned previously, those there are things that um, can all apply toward this great goal of our country and the world to ensure that everybody gets the care that they need and that it doesn't vary by patient regardless of your social determinants of health situation. And because of that, there are several organizations that have decided to um, put some, um, if you will, meat around them in regard to what is required. Um, First of all, Joint Commission introduced, uh, beginning in January of 2023, some leadership standards that have to do with those things that are regarding leadership, um, who, who at your entity is going to be the lead person to ensure that these health equities um, issues are reviewed, data is evaluated, and then providing next steps and ensuring that we help um, those individuals that need that help. But also it goes into that same social determinants of health. Um, What are you collecting? How are you collecting it? And more importantly, what are you doing about it? Um, Just collecting the data is not the situation. So there's, there's actually five different standards with Joint Commission. However, 
because of Joint Commission's need and requirements, um, uh, and because of the complexity of this this topic, um, they have determined that it really is something that needs to be put forward a little with a little more. Um, um, requirements involved. So they have, for the first time that I can recall in a long time, um, moved a, this app, these leadership standards into the National Patient Safety Goals as of July 1, which is just around the corner. Um, and that should give us some indication of why, because if we look back at the Joint Commission standard, National Patient Safety Goal number one, which was identify your patient that's probably been in this environment since 2004, that's how important these, this topic is and how we all need to evaluate and become front and center. In addition, CMS has five domains for reporting social determinants of health. They call this the framework for health equity. So CMS and Joint Commission are working hand in hand in regard to that. Next of all, I'm, I'm going to say there's leapfrog questions that could be asked in regard to health equity and what we're doing. Z codes within CMS. Um, what are we doing in regard to that and possibility of being able to, to prove that we're doing a great job in helping us with that through, through some of the care. Healthy, Pe Healthy People 2030 actually has some um, information and has put out in regard to health equity. There's the um, Sentinel event number 66, which specifically talks about maternal health equity. We're not doing great in that arena in some of our um, 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 states within the United States. Obviously, grievance and complaints, serious safety events, uh, all these things, press Ganey scores, um, and all of those things are required uh, or will be requiring us to be able to answer those questions appropriately. And so just keep in mind the one thing that I like to say is remember that numbers are just the beginning. That's going to help us move forward to evaluate and to think in terms of what can we do with point A and point B in order to help all of those individuals because that's our mission within Baptist, right? All of our patients receive great care um, regardless of who you are or your socioeconomic status. And, and sometimes we just need to be reminded of that in regard to um, remembering because we tend to have some implicit biases in regard to that that we need to focus on. So those are some of those important things that not only the United States but the world has introduced in regard to this very important topic. So this is ongoing work. I, I just wonder what are some strategies that we have in place to address um, health equity? within Baptist. You know, I, I'll, and, and Missy, you chime in uh, on this as well. You know, one of the, one of the things that we, we want all of our entities to, to be compliant as quickly as they can. So, so one of the, um, one of the things that all the hospitals have done, they have looked at data and then they have developed action plans. They, they've, they've identified a leader at their entity, which is one of the requirements now, you know, as Missy says, a lot of times that leader is it's delegated to a quality director. We we would prefer that it be somebody in the C-suite to, to really drive that work. But uh, collecting the data and then developing action plans based based off of that data. Uh, we have the, the entities have done that. Another thing that we started doing within the last few months is and, and we're still wrestling with this and trying to, to determine if, if this is the best way to get these questions asked. Is that our case managers are asking specific questions to the patients uh, around those social determinants of health and, and around those different different domains uh, during their um, discharge planning with the patient. 
that data is collected and, and the coding folks, they're, they're assigning Z codes to all of those, uh, those patients that answer yes to those certain questions. And that, that is allowing us to, to collect the data and then we can stratify it for later use. So, so that, that's one of the things that we're doing. And Missy, well, uh, go, go ahead, Jake. HF, just a question. What is a Z code? Well, you know, a, a Z code is a uh, it's an ICD-10 code, which uh, I know about this much about it. That's about an inch. But uh, it is a code that's attached to that patient's uh, diagnoses. And so you can, you know, like a modifier, so, I guess it, it's it's yeah, I think a modifier would be would be uh, pretty accurate. And so, for instance, if a, I'm going to make this up, but if a, a Z code for, um, you know, not being able to buy your food, that that triggers a Z code. Let's say it's Z code 100, then you can say, OK, over a three month period of time, how many patients did we have come through our hospital who uh, marked that question? Yes. So you can use you can search for Z Z100 and, and get a list of all those patients. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's helpful. And and I think that's an important question, um, Dr. Dr. Um, Lancaster, just to, to give you and elaborate a little bit on that. Those Z codes are primarily in the 50, 60 range of CMS. Those are those, I, I mean, ICD-9 codes. And, and Dr. Mason's absolutely correct. And just to throw out a few words in regard to some of those, one is, are, are there issues in regard to education and literacy? What about employment, unemployment? Did they have some occupational exposures? Um, this could be their physical environment. What about housing and economic circumstances? Or their social environment? Do they have the family that's there to help them? And um, other things include, do they have primary support group? What, what about those patients that arrive in our hospitals that need that support when they go home that may not have needed it when they showed up? So those give you some, some, um, some of those specifics in regard to those Z codes. It's just getting more granular to determine could this have caused their their situation that they're currently in at our hospitals? So, if I'm a practicing primary care physician or or surgeon out there, you know, in the wild, what do I need to know? Um, you know, how is this going to affect my practice? Missy. Okay. <laughs> I'm putting you so, on the spot. Um, so this is this is an important topic, and um, I, one of the reasons um, things that could happen with the practice is. Um, I think it's important to understand and to think internally of yourself in regard to um, is there a situation where um, maybe we over overshadowed something with something else because of those um, social determinants of health that maybe we weren't aware of. And so how does this affect that physician? One, I think it's important in regard to um, being able to identify those and to get those sources and resources available to that patient with the ultimate outcome of, of improving the care for that patient, improving their health status. And in order to do that, that might include some of those things like being able to, to verify that there aren't, that there's not a variance in regard to the care that they're providing depending on the patient that they're seeing. Now, we could always talk about this for a very long time. However, I think it's just simply important to um, have that awareness that we all have that implicit bias. So that's part of, of that situation and being able to evaluate that upon entry into a room, a hospital 
hospital room, even um, within um, different areas of our hospital, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's in the emergency room or inpatient. It could be any situation. But being able to be astute to those characteristics that that patient may have that might need extra help. For example, one of our physicians has evaluated something that we offer that we have been doing for several years that occurs every three years is the community health needs assessment, which gives that opportunity for us to evaluate our, our patient population's health needs assessments through this organization that provides this great data being able to evaluate that and then look with the help of another database that Vizient's given us to us, which is the vulnerability studies and, and data, combining those two together to make a determination, is there something that we could do from that physician perspective that says, you know, we need to offer this in that area in order to make sure we can improve that health. So that's one piece of it. I think the second piece of that has to do with those, um, with that data and being able to use that and to document appropriately within the medical record to continue to help us move in the direction of being able to use that data to um, improve not only that care, but also to be able to be provided a little bit more money from CMS to help us determine how to fix those issues or at least provide resources for those patients. So that's kind of the, the big piece of it, so to speak, the big higher level. But I think overall for physicians, it's that Hippocratic oath in the sense that we all will take care of that patient regardless of any situation or any biases that we may have. And sometimes that's a difficult thing to do simply from the perspective that we, we know we need to take care of that patient, we know this is the situation, and we're going to move forward with that particular situation in terms of taking care of that patient. So it really is taking that extra few minutes to breathe and to think about that patient and that situation and listen to that patient to hear them say or not say in some cases that there's a situation going on that might need our help from that, perspective, from that perspective. That involves including and giving a consult for the, the, for the case managers or social workers. Um, they have expertise in terms of help, helping us with population health. In addition to that, being included and being involved, um, we are working on some um, different groups. We're trying to pull together a system group. Um, we love volunteers that are passionate about this uh, program. Um, and so far, we've got some really great um, individuals who are interested. So being involved and being able to look at this from that perspective, that's what I would say. And Dr. Mason, you're certainly no. able to, uh, to comment. And Jake, I would envision, you know, you, the primary care physician in, in the office that I, I don't like using the word label patients, but some some how there may be a trigger or a flag on, on certain patients that that is going to, you know, give you a reminder that, hey, this patient lives in what we've defined as a food desert or this patient uh, has trouble uh, paying for their prescriptions. And that may alter what prescription you actually give that patient because, well, yeah. I, I'm not going to give them this high dollar ARB because they can't afford it. Hey, are you impressed that I know what an ARB is, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very impressed always. <laughs> but, you know, you, you may do that. And, and another thing is that we're we're trying to do um, uh, starting at the top and, and Amanda and, and a group from the from the university is going to help us with is, is trying to create just some awareness um, and, and some education for our system so that every person in our organization from you know, the, the CEO all the way down to the uh, frontline uh, EVS worker has some idea about what health equity is, what social determinants of health are, uh, what um, 
you know, implicit bias and, and, and all these things that, that uh, all fall under this umbrella. So that, that's yeah. one of the things that we're trying to do as a system as well. No, and that makes perfect sense. And, and thanks for that example. You know, and I agree it's not labeling the patient, but it's almost like a different vital sign or lab result that you can look that, at that's to help great you uh, determine treatment. And I guess you wouldn't expect the physician to necessarily fix the food insecurity or, um, you know, transportation issue. But as Missy said, refer to a social worker who can help with that regard, because um, I think a lot of physicians might get overwhelmed if they're being asked to do additional things that are kind of outside their skill set. Sure, sure. I will mention we have the baptistresources.com website page, and maybe we can link that in the show notes, that really helps with some of those resources that are available in the communities. You can look it up by zip code. It's very helpful. Yeah, one other thing we have. So a couple of years back, it kind of got lost during the pandemic, but um, there's this epic module called Aunt Bertha. It's since been renamed, I think, um, Find Health or Community Resources. Within Epic, there's a, if you're in a patient's chart, you can find it under Community Resources if you go to like the more additional tabs, but it will, our social workers have access to it, but we gave access to everybody. Um, so you can see for that patient what resources are available in their zip code, et cetera. Well, guys, um, this has been really educational for me. Um, do you want to leave the audience with just a few closing thoughts, Missy and, and HF? Sure. I, I think um, one of the most important things that I would love for individuals listening to this podcast to remember um, about health equity, it really is to ensure um, that we value everyone equally. Um, and that we have this issue where we do not address avoidable inequalities. And I think that's the most important part is that sometimes we do um, focus on our patients and we focus on the outcome and we need to be able to focus on the first part of their life, which is where, how did they get in the situation that they did? So evaluate your patients take a deep breath, ask those questions, have that reflective listening that be able that where you're able to communicate um, back to that patient what you thought they heard or what you, you thought you heard so that we'd be able to answer those questions. And then lastly, give them an opportunity to have some resources available to them. Be able to pick those out for them. And, and, I, and I would, you know, my message to the to the providers out there would be is that it's going to take us and I'm say me, it's going to take us asking those questions, you know, digging deeper than 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 what we're used to digging because, you know, a lot of times we just patients not getting better, you know, I've done everything that I can do. We just kind of throw up our hands and say, oh well, that's just that's just the nature of the beast. But uh, if we start asking those questions and digging deeper, we're going to find we will find that there really are some things that's going to take a, a big community effort. But there are things that we can do to uh, to improve the, the health care of our patients. Well, thank you both. And thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Right Care Baptist. Remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can redeem this episode for CME credit.